0: Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, folks. 2020 has, to put it mildly, Presented some challenges for all of us. You know the good news? Our patrons' numbers are still growing. Almost daily. I truly, truly cannot thank all of you enough for your support. It's been overwhelming. And for those of you who've had to reassess your budgets, please know I totally get it. And I will always be grateful for your belief in this program and the power of great content. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day, to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tack box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Our patrons make all of this possible. The funds are specifically designated only for overhead they literally keep the mp3s rolling meanwhile the patrons only after dark facebook live and zoom meetings each month truly have been a fabulous success conversation support laughter some education some mentorship lots of encouragement and even randomly the occasional adult beverage So, click the link at www.puredogtalk.com and become a patron today. Your small contribution helps make a huge voice for purebred dogs. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves. And I have one of our favorite returning guests, Vicki Ranchetti from Show Dog Prep School, is back. And we are going to tackle head on. One of the more challenging aspects of what dog shows may or may not look like in a post-pandemic world, and that is judges and exhibitors and everybody else wearing masks. And we've all seen the result of our dogs going, um, hello, I don't know you, I don't want to know you. And so I think vicky has got some great ideas about how we can kind of do some counter conditioning. Right, Vicky? Yeah, for sure. So talk to us a little bit about what your ideas are on that.
1: Well, first, I think we have to identify if we have an issue. And last, not this past Monday, but the Monday before, the grooming shop opened back up. Right. And so we have been wearing masks and requiring the customers to wear masks. And then they call us there. We meet them at the door and we take the dog in. Well, we've seen actually a much lower incidents that we expected of dogs reacting to the mask they're not reacting to it oh good now that being said usually they're handing the dog to us we do it a lot of small dogs so they can smell us we're right there mm-hmm. we say their name you know but I was actually shocked I thought it would be much worse than we are seeing. so I'm happy that a lot of the dogs don't seem to be having a big reaction to it The first
0: time I experienced it, I took a dog in that wire hair that's about to have puppies. I took her in for a progesterone test or something. Same thing, the drive-by drop-off vet clinic. Yeah. And they were encouraging us not even to get out of the car. Like they wanted to not have even that much contact. And so the tech went to get her out of the crate in the back of the car. And Mary's like, "Uh, no, no, masked person. You are not coming in my car and coming in my crate. And no, that is not happening. Yeah. So I think a lot of it depends kind of on the situation, wouldn't you think? For sure. Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, and also if the dog has experience and maybe it doesn't love going to the vet, I mean there right. could be that right, you know, just that sort of uh oh, you know, what's happening? I don't know why. I also think going into the car and going into the crate is a lot more invasive than the owner taking the dog out yes. and handing the dog to us. And you know, I don't groom dogs that are over like 30 pounds anymore. Mm -hmm. So most of mine are like toy dogs. And so they're sort of, they're not really upset. But I think the difference is going to be in dogs that are bred to be really, really visually on point, like herding breeds.
0: Well, they're
1: so ingrained to like notice
0: anything that's not right. Well, and any dog that has a protective nature, which wire hairs have plenty of, and this particular individual, I will say, Once I went back, took her out of the crate, said, okay, you guys are just going to have to deal with it. And I walked with her to the door of the clinic. Then she was fine. Right. We have to be aware of what our dogs need from us. Absolutely.
1: And I think it's going to be important for people to be real honest and know that some dogs are not going to be okay with this, or they're going to require some work before they do it. Mm -hmm. So... A big part of what I've done for a long time has specialized in fearful dogs. So dogs that have issues with something is a lot of what I deal with. Exactly. And we always sort of deal with it the same way. You know, I mean, I use a very proven system, which is desensitization and counter conditioning, which yep. we've talked about before,
0: where we expose the dogs in little... And we'll link that episode so yeah. they can go back and listen to that. Yes. Yeah. So where are we going to take that and step it up for this particular situation?
1: So I think what we should do is just get all dogs, if you're lucky enough to be starting with a puppy, like mm-hmm. one of my good friends and clients just had a litter of hound. hounds. Mm-hmm. And that'll be one of the pictures you get of me because awesome. I had all of those puppies at my house for a day just before they went to their homes for a transition day and work with another person, all that, and was in during the pandemic and like it still is, but it was even heavier in it. So we did social distance as best we could and we wore masks. So those puppies are used to masks. I mean, they've gone to work with her where everybody's wearing masks. Mm -hmm. She wears a mask. So I think people should probably somewhat, they're going to get it anyways, because the people are wearing masks. But I would even do more of that with puppy dogs. Right, right. And people were asking me, well, how would you introduce the mask? And I said, you know, it depends on the dogs. Literally, there are some dogs who will not care. They just will be like, whatever. Will not even notice. You know, and then there will be some that are very suspicious of it. So I would be doing things like peekaboo games where you, you know, where there's nothing on your face. You show the dog the mask, hold it up over your face and bring it back down and, you know, you know, have a party with the dog. And give him a cookie. And- yeah, give him a cookie. And even the way I start out muzzle training is literally I will set the muzzle up. So basket muzzle for mm-hmm. groom dogs. Or being careful. So this would be like if I was going to train my dog or a client dog to wear a muzzle safety. Mm-hmm. I would put the muzzle on the ground and put cookies in it. So then it the all goes up and they sort of are getting used to digging around inside the muzzle for cookies. So they get sort of used to it mm-hmm. and they at their own pace and at their own comfort level, get used to this new thing that's sitting on the ground. So I would probably do games like that mm-hmm. with the mask, might even play with the mask and let them screw around with it. I just right. want it to be like a nothing, no big deal. Right. I will say that it seems to me, and this is like not science based, this is just something I've seen. Observation. Yeah. That a lot of dogs, the reaction is more to outline, you know, like a big weird shape or something that's very big and weird. Mm -hmm. So we may not see as much of an issue as Mm -hmm. we expected to, but I think the key would be getting them used to it, playing peekaboo games, putting it on, giving him a cookie, taking it off, you know, and then putting it on, putting it around your ears and giving him a cookie and taking it off and just gauge what each dog is doing and how they're reacting to it. Who knows what we'll find? I mean, I'm curious. I feel like I've known a lot of people who felt like their dogs reacted to judges based on you know, things like they smelt cigarettes mm-hmm. on a judge, or they smelt yep. coffee or something, or there was just, right. some, you know, there could be things that there may actually be some benefits that, right. you know what I mean? Like right. this right. may be changing for the dog. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. I would want to make sure that they were just comfortable with it. And they probably should also be introducing things like rubber gloves, because we don't know that that's not going to be something that happens.
0: Right. Right rubber gloves and the scent of hand sanitizer the scent and <laughs> of hand
1: sanitizer. Absolutely. And not only that, but there's just some dogs that are so sensitive that people would bring to my like recreational agility class. They'd bring a border collie and be like, she'll jump on anything. She doesn't care. And it's like, but when you bring out PVC jumps, the dog's like, what is that? Right. You know, it's not a big clump of hay or your couch. It's something weird and different. So it's gonna depend partly on how they're setting up these ringside waiting areas, staging areas.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. In barn hunt and stuff, we're used to it. You have to go into your little blind with other dogs and you're like in there waiting. But for dogs that haven't done that, I mean, I don't know if there's gonna be plexiglass. If they use plexiglass, there could be reflections that could get dogs going. There's gonna be a lot of new
0: stuff to deal with. You know what? As we're talking about this, I think one of the things that remains true that hasn't changed. We're going to flip the script and focus on the positive that hasn't changed is dogs need to be able to handle whatever is thrown their way. And so the work that we do with puppies, the work that we do with our young dogs, all of that is going to pay big benefit now when there's new and different things for them to become accustomed to. Absolutely.
1: I mean, it's just one other reason why it's so important when dogs are babies that they're very used to change that they're used to something novel, just all of a sudden being in their puppy box, you know, in their whelping box. So they get used to that. Oh, what is that? And then it's okay. Right. And then, oh no, what is that? And then it's okay. New surfaces,
0: new noises. So that they can handle that. And it's such incredible benefit from the early neurological stimulation and all of those sorts of things that so many of us are working really hard to do right now in terms of how we raise our puppies before there was a pandemic, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think that because I've done so much with fearful dogs, there are fearful dogs being shown. There are. And it's just the truth. So there are a lot of dogs that have to work through it, even though it's not about the masks or anything else. They're just afraid of a person. Afraid of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we get a lot of dogs where we can help them a lot with that and Mm -hmm. use these methods to make them feel better about it. But there's also the piece of whether or not, let me put this way, there's going to be a ton of dogs that won't be affected at all. They just Mm. won't care. They just won't be worried. And then you're going to have a chunk of dogs that probably are the ones who already had issues, right? They probably weren't really
0: comfortable with some things anyways. Mm -hmm. And then
1: the mask is just over the edge.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think too, another thing that I want to touch on, and I think gets left out of the equation more often than it should. And that is us because dogs feed on our energy, Are we stressed out because we're at this dog show that isn't running the way we think it should? Or are we stressed out because we have concerns about our health, but we really, 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 really want to be at a dog show? Or are we nervous about something? And remember that just being nervous about being in the ring is bad enough. Now let's add nerves about a more impactful situation. And remember, the dog feels that. They do.
1: And I think that some are way, way, way more just like, I'm sure you've had dogs that were just freakishly connected. Mm -hmm. Or if you were even off a tiny bit, it's just not happening. (laughs) And so I do think, and then you've got people who are, you know, it's not going to be hard for someone like you probably, because you're not afraid of handling. You've been doing this a long time. But if you're somebody who has any anxiety about going in there, now you're trying to stay six feet apart from all the other exhibitors and you're, it's going to be something that's going to, I think, be harder on the dogs, the people being so worked up. And I mean, mm-hmm. my clients don't always like it, but one of the things, especially in from shy to showy that when they start asking, well, when can I take my dog back into the ring? Part of that is when the owner's ready. Yes. Can you handle it? You know, because if you're in there still wigged out, mm-hmm. if you're not willing to advocate for the dog and ask to be excused, if things go bad, or you're in there just acting like a crazy different person to the dog, cause you stop talking and you get all wigged out. Those are all signals to the dog that there's a problem. Yes, absolutely. And depending on the breed, yes, you know, some dogs (laughs) will be going. "Um, You're not handling this,
0: and I'm going to handle it. Yes, and get out of here or do something. (laughs) We haven't talked necessarily about this, but one of the primary breeds that I showed as a handler for many, many years was Akitas. Oh, yeah. And I was successful with dogs that quite literally no one else could touch. Literally. Because I was not nervous and they knew that I had it handled and they trusted me and they were confident with me. Yeah. And that is the type of concern that I have. Showing an Akita to someone in a mask, depending on the dog, could be very sketchy because Akitas are so, and many of the Asian breeds, many of the working breeds, these are dogs who are genetically inclined to read all of your body language and to know exactly what you're telling them from that. And if they can't see half your face, it's as if you have put a sign in front of someone trying to do sign language. <laughs> I don't know a better way to say that. Yeah. You've taken away a huge chunk of communication to that animal. Well, when
1: I talk about a lot, and from shy to showy, when we talk about livestock guarding breeds or a lot of the guarding breeds or the breeds that can be weird about being touched it's not like they're always afraid. A lot of times they're like offended. It's like, yes, don't touch me. Yeah. Think of like an abisan hound. Oh yeah. You're going to just walk up to me and put your hands. I don't even know you, no, you Yeah, you know, and, yeah, I, and I've no. met Akitas like that too. Yes. Where even sometimes they just kind of take a step back. Like, were you just going to, I don't even know you, yes. you know? And I think that they're kind of
0: offended by it. They are offended by it. Yeah. They believe they are people with fur. And just like you would not walk up to any random stranger and grab them by the crotch, trust me, that's how an Akita feels. That is what goes through their brain. They aren't afraid of you. They think you're really obnoxious and in their space and you are not given permission. And so the handler's job then becomes to give confidence to that dog to say, you're cool. You're not in charge here. I got this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I did have somebody approach me about possibly doing a class for judges because I do think that we also may have to start looking at judges and talking to them and giving them more. I mean, I know that most judges have been in dogs for a million years, but it doesn't mean that they actually know how to read body language and that they know the best way to go about things. So it probably we yes. need to move towards that too, where there's more education for them on helping the dogs to feel comfortable and making sure that they're not just going in and leaning over the top of a dog, yes. smelling of hand sanitizer with a mask
0: on. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I think that you make an exceptionally good point and one that I have interacted with. I'm sure you have somewhere along the way. You talk to somebody like Alexia with the Corsos. I mean, trust me, I showed Rhodesian Ridgebacks, another perfect example. And I had a very, very well known, very popular multiple breeds, multiple groups judge. Very friendly individual approached one of my dogs, and he just felt like he needed to make super heavy duty eye contact with this real big ridgeback dog. And ridgeback dog that I had worked so freaking hard to get through being weirded out by judges went Foosh, sideways. Yeah. And the judge was very kind about it. And I spoke with him about it afterwards. And I explained to him, I said, Listen to me, you cannot do that. I know you come from breeds where this is a normal thing that you can do, but you cannot do that to a breed for whom that is a challenge and expect them to react well to it.
1: Right. And, you know, I know that the attitude is like, well, if you're going to have a dog at the dog show, I ought to be able to touch it all over. But the bottom line is that a lot of these standards say in there, like they are writing in there that this breed is to be suspicious of strangers yeah, or it's something like that. yeah. And it's like, you can't get
0: mad at the dog if they're being who they are. Exactly. So our entire point of preservation breeding and understanding purebred dogs is that purebred dogs are predictable. Right. And if a breed is predictably aloof, sensitive with strangers, suspicious of strangers, Yeah. Yeah. All of those things, the judge needs to have enough sense to understand that and to accept that that is part of breed type and not expect it to act like a golden retriever. Exactly. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products, while also creating research-ready data for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, this helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, they're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Check out Embark's link at puredogtalk.com and enter the code puredogtalk at checkout for $20 off DNA tests for breeders. Now, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this. I'm not even sure I've ever mentioned this on the show, but I will never forget one of the most sensitive and aware dog savvy things I have ever seen a judge do was a billion years ago. I mean, like another century. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was showing a Great Pyrenees dog. It was a dog that was not super well socialized, comes from this type of group of dogs that we're talking about. And I was showing the dog to Bill Shelton. And Bill saw me struggling with this dog and had awareness of his ring, awareness of dog behavior, and understanding and empathy for that dog that i came to set my dog up he stood in front of me watching the dog before me go down and back and while he's watching that dog go down and back out of the corner of his eye he takes his left hand and just puts it underneath the dog's chin without interacting with the dog in any other way and then he turns holds her head does her exam and walks away and the bitch never moved and that was the beginning of my absolute reverence for him as a judge, because he had that much sense to have the awareness, to know the dog was having an issue, to resolve it without my having to do more than I was already doing, to resolve it without right. the dog having any additional stress, and to be able to get the best performance from that dog that he was going to be able to get in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievably fabulous, and I would beg every judge in the world to aspire to that. (laughs) I want
1: to say too, I wish I don't know why it doesn't happen, but I know that the AKC has asked judges to allow the exhibitors to show the bite, and I really wish they would just crack down on that and let's just make it the way it is now, especially when we have something like this and not even because of the mask thing, but just having to not touch as much. I mean, we're all touching the same stuff, and then. With the dogs being sick and then passing stuff from mouth to mouth, I think that that could be something too that just would make it easier on dogs. A lot of dogs, it's like the worst parts are the testicles or the mouth. I have to desensitize a lot to those. Two I'm going to tell you
0: though, it's very interesting. As a handler, I always wanted to show my own dog's mouth, but I'm going to tell you now as a judge, as someone who's been doing the judging piece of it, and I don't say this to be disrespectful to any exhibitor anywhere. But there are a number of occasions when my doing a quick, painless mouth exam myself is the better choice for that dog because the exhibitor gets so nervous about it. Yeah. And so I understand both sides of the coin. If the exhibitor is confident and capable, Merry Christmas. But if the exhibitor is making the dog worse, then as a judge, I have to look at that and say, okay, which is the lesser of the two evils? Yeah. If I can see the exhibitor tensing up and struggling and the dog's eyes starting to bug out, I'm like, whip, 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 done. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, everybody's fine. Yeah. I understand it from both sides now in a way that I wasn't able to prior to this. That's good. And realistically, also keep in mind, a lot of the judges are old and they've been doing it that way for a really long time. Yeah, I know. And they forget. I think they forget. No disrespect. You know, you have a process. And so... That is part of the issue as well. But I do agree that reaching a point where we can all have confident exhibitors, confident dogs and judges that are able to see what they need to see without digging around in a dog's mouth is always going to be a great answer.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's like all of us, the judges, the exhibitors, the experienced handlers, the new people, this is all new for all of us. Mm -hmm. Everybody's figuring this out. So. It's almost like it's leveled the playing field. Well, at some level, the people who are upset about handlers, it's like, well, here, this is something they haven't done Exactly. I mean, we're all all going to be in this together, having to like
0: figure this out. And I think a lot of that makes me think of the idea of extending grace. Give the dog a little bit of grace. Give the judge a little bit of grace. Give the other exhibitors, give the superintendent, give the show chairs, extend grace. Absolutely. Because there are a lot of people who are real, 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 real antsy to get back to dog shows. And I understand that it's important for X, Y, or Z reason. I mean, pick a one, whether it's your living, whether it's your outlet, whatever it is. So let's take this opportunity to extend grace to one another and make this a safe, not just health wise, but mentally and emotionally space. For us and our dogs.
1: Right. I mean, I agree. I think that's so important because people, like you said, they were ready. Everybody was like, we got to have dog shows and we're going crazy that it wasn't happening. Well, if you want it to happen this soon, it's going to look a lot different. It's not going to look like Wolfstock last year. No. You know, and that's sad. You know, I mean, we liked it how we liked it.
0: Nobody's up for change. Yeah. It's hard. And let's make the perfect tie in here what did we talk about with our dogs? We should socialize our dogs to change get our dogs used to it and like drop random weird stuff in their box. Well, guess what? God just dropped random weird stuff in our box kids.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I've been teaching zoom confirmation dropping classes and I mean, I've got people putting their dogs on a stay and they're doing the exam themselves for when they don't have a judge. I mean, we're going to be getting some really nicely trained dogs out of all this. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm excited about
0: it because I think that actually there's going to be some good stuff that comes out of this. I really think so. I certainly hope so. has that? I really think that as trying and as challenging and as frustrating and as depressing as it can feel at sometimes, if we, once again, you know, flip the script and find the good that can come from this. Right. And create our own selves. Take responsibility for creating the good for our dog and for our friends and for everybody yeah, else. Absolutely. It gives us that opportunity.
1: It does. I mean, I think my biggest concern is just wanting to make sure especially people raising puppies or leaving them alone sometimes. <laughs> so ah. we're gonna, all of a sudden, I'm, my fear is all of these separation anxiety, separation anxiety dogs. Yes, yeah. that's going to be our next trading problem. Exactly. But yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of good things that could come from this. And I think that the masks are going to be scary for some dogs and so much better than we thought for other dogs. Because like right. I said, we were expecting at the grooming shop it to be, mm-hmm. and the dogs are just like, it's not even there. They, they don't must. even notice it. Now, maybe it's because they walk into that building and they know what it looks like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But
0: for seasoned show dogs, it's probably going to be a little bit like that. Yeah. This is what I've always done. Exactly. And for baby puppies that are just getting started, that never had a dog show before this, they won't know any better. Nope. This is how dog shows happen. Yeah, exactly. So let's be more like our dogs. Yeah, (laughs)
1: exactly. Always the right answer. Right, right. You know? We'll just have a hard time, I think, dealing with change. We were not well socialized as babies, yeah. clearly. <laughs> yeah. We're just not that type of species. Like we want it now and <laughs> we want it easy and we want it how it was and learning something a new way. It's just like my journey from being one type of trainer and transitioning to a different type of trainer. You know, however we learn things lives with us and that'll always be the strongest. It's got the longest reinforcement history. So now if we go and I want to do things differently. It's hard not to bounce back to that or lean on that Snap back almost. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's just going to be different. It's a change and it's going to be hard for a lot of us and for a lot of people. Yep.
0: Well, and I think that all the things that we can do to make it easier and the things that we can do a lot of times have less to do with our dogs and more to do with
1: us. Right. I like what you said about giving grace. And I say being kind, you know, it's just right. like, same, same. This is what it is now. So be nice to your dog. Be nice to the other exhibitors, have patience with everyone. Be nice to the judge. Be nice to the <laughs> judge, the exhibitors, the ring stores, the porch show chairs, show superintendents, vendors, everybody. I mean, those people are getting hammered. I know. And this is no one's fault. <laughs> it's just, it's what's happening. And so we just have to cope with it. And people would be smart
0: to be supportive and nice if they want this sport to hang around. Giving a little grace is going to be the right answer, I suspect, in the long run. I think so too. All right. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for your time, honey. I appreciate it. You too. Thanks. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review.